We are the Ballbusters. Your sports news podcast on Unbenched. Breaking the glass ceiling through sports. Hello, friends. Thank you for the very enthusiastic finger point, Michaela. Um, <laughs> I wanted to let you know that we were rolling. <laughs> the perks of podcasting with two people is uh, all of our notes for today are on a MacBook sticky note. Not even all of them, but like we know what we're talking about. We could put all of them. Because oh, nothing happened this week. Literally nothing. Um, other than us having our asses kicked with school. So, how you doing? How you holding up? <laughs> Uh, not bad, you know, it's, it's, we're down to the last week and a half of school. We finish school next Thursday. That's wild. Uh, we'll be done our second year of university, and... We have half a bachelor's degree and no friends. <laughs> um, so this next week and a half is, is gonna be tough, but we're getting through it, we're... Figuring out, I have a Taylor Swift presentation on Thursday when you're listening to this. Oh my gosh. So yes, think of Michaela fangirling in front of a university class for credit. Um, Pretty welcome much. Welcome to getting a media degree. It's it's a good time. We're having a blast. Um, we also went on a roadie this weekend, which is sports related, because mm-hmm. it was to watch the Rams win their first ever national championship in women's basketball. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I didn't ever know if I would go to a national championship. Uh, university game because you know why would you go if your school's not playing in it or a school that you like cheer for isn't playing in it um but it just so happens that the Rams women's basketball team is absolutely fantastic and had an undefeated season and went to the national championships and won and I got to go to their uh, OUA championship win uh when they played at Brock a couple weeks ago and now to see them win the national championship is so exciting and it was a great experience. I loved it. It was so fun. Biggest shout out to Kaylee Hall. Woo! Um, I mean, shout out to all of you. You're all better at basketball than I ever will be at anything in my life. Mm-hmm. But we love Kaylee on this podcast. We're big Kaylee Hall fans. And it was just so fun to watch someone you know ball out and watch her force Winnipeg to single-handedly call a timeout because she went on a tear at mm-hmm. one point. Defensive stops, finding the net, getting to the line. It was It was really fun. Um, and it was really fun to see them celebrate and knowing that so many of them had their families there was, mm-hmm. was really nice. But enough about our lives, cause you're not here to listen to us talk about us. Let's, let's talk about Troy Terry versus Jay Beagle. All right. Okay, we're diving into the NHL first. I think that's where we have the most news today. This incident. Obviously it was in the game. The incident. Where... The Anaheim Ducks were playing the Arizona Coyotes. Early in the game, Trevor Zegris, not early in the game, but in the game, Trevor Zegris did the, you know, lacrosse goal, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's a different name for it. Yeah. The Michigan. So he did that again. And, you know, people were saying that the Anaheim Ducks were showboating and it's fun. You're losing. Sorry that the Arizona Coyotes suck. Yeah. I think they had lost 11 straight. Like, also, that's a new like, problem. It's not like Anaheim's that good to begin with. Like, it's just like you can't showboat when you suck. So, like, but it's like these young kids that are talented and more talented yeah. than pretty much everybody on Arizona. Yeah, minus maybe a few. Like, let them have fun. If if they are able to embarrass you like that, that's your problem. But, yes. So I think the Coyotes were down five nothing and. There was an incident where goalie 
puck was, you know, whatever. And uh, Trevor Zegers, I believe, went in and started digging at the puck. Happens every single game. But I will say, you do that after the whistle, you should expect a face wash. Like, you should expect a glove in your face or being pulled out. What you should not expect, however... So then Troy Terry went in, you know, defend his, his buddy, and Jay Beagle just starts wailing on him. Like, Troy, I guess Troy Terry just went in thinking he was going to kind of restrain him. Mm-hmm. And Jay Beagle took that as, I'm going to fight you, and started punching him. And we've all seen the pictures of Terry. I mean, I, or when I initially thought it, I thought he was a lot more injured than he was. Like, yeah. In terms of like, but it, he didn't play. Like, after that, like, he didn't play in their next game. And even in the next game, I believe he sat out. But this kind of comes to a conversation of, like, should Jay Beagle have stepped down? Should there be discipline? Should whatever? So here's the thing. This is my opinion. I am not the kind of person that's going to say there should be no fighting in hockey. There should be no fighting. Like, I think that there's a time and a place for these situations. If it's two people that are willing to fight... And they want to fight, go for it. As long as the refs are, like, ready to step in if they need yeah. to. If it's two people that are, you know, willing to do it, that's... We've, we've seen good fight. Like, I'm not... Whatever. Yeah. I'm not against hitting. A clean hit. I love to see a big clean hit where a guy just isn't paying attention. Another guy comes in and steamrolls him and it's they both get up and they're fine. The dangerous hits is what we don't like, obviously. But I'm not saying, like, let's take all the physicality, let's take all that out of hockey, because that's that's part of the game. It is. This, to me, was a little bit of a cheap shot. And, you know, there is, like, a code, whatever. Maybe don't take on a guy that's a young guy in the league, doesn't fight. He's a lot smaller. Like, if... He, there's an unwilling participant in the fight, it means there's no fight. And that isn't what happened here. Troy Terry did not want to fight. Why would he want to fight Jay Beagle? Valid question. And I think, like, the conversation that this spurred afterwards on Twitter, like, we'll get into that in a second, because that's a whole other thing. But in this case, like, why, the, like, just why is the question? And again, yes, we know the hockey code, we've heard that brought up time and time again, but this is getting a little bit, like, archaic, if you will, in terms of how people will resort to that kind of way of dealing with, like, being unhappy with a player. And again, like Michaela said, if you're going to get embarrassed by the Michigan, like, that's on you. I even meant, like... That's on you and your team. Code, though, is in, like, like fighter's code, where it's, like, a guy's down, you don't... Like, at the end of the day, you're still trying to protect each other a little bit. And when you hear actual guys that have fought in the NHL talk about it who were fighters, they do say, like, you know when to back off. Yeah. You know if a guy's going down, you don't... You don't keep going. Like, this isn't the WWE. And I think that's part of it, where it's, like, the guys that came up fighting, a lot of them, they fought so much that they knew, they knew a little bit more about just the dynamic of the fight. And the etiquette. I feel like that's where now... These fights are fewer between, and we're not. And I'm not saying there should be like they should be fighting all the time, but we're losing some of that, and that's why we're, there's a lot of these unsafe situations. Yeah. Because they don't know when to back off. They don't know like. Yeah. We're seeing yeah. No. And I think that's a important point here as well. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so should should there be any type of discipline? I mean, at this point, there's not. Like no. 
And I think where the league has kind of pigeonholed themselves is I don't think Beagle did anything that historically the league has deemed wrong, incorrect, not allowed. And that right there is the problem is that stuff like this, there is no rule against it. And like to segue into what BXO was talking about of should there be supplementary discipline? I would argue that yes, the problem is is there's no precedent, there's no rule, there's no. It, it was a fight. There's no technically model, it, was fight, it was a fight, which is allowed. It got out of hand and went the wrong way, but it yeah. was a fight. So that's where I think we saw like the Twitter stuff start. Where do you go one way? Do you go the other in terms of like should this have happened? Should this not have happened? And like we can get into the Twitter discourse where like about Jan Botterill. And, and I think she was yeah, more so. saying, like, okay, there's no rule. Like, let's make a rule then yeah. against this. Yeah. Not, there shouldn't be any of this, like... Exactly. And I think that's where people were misunderstanding it. And I also think BX's point about, like, well, what can the league do? Well, Kevin, the, the league rules. is the league. They can actually, you know, write a rule. It's kind of like their whole their whole thing that they do um, is, is they do stuff like that. So that would be my argument to that point. I think people mm-hmm. were coming at... I think, honestly, a lot of what we were saying come at Jen Botterill after that is just, like, people's closeted misogyny of they're just waiting for a woman about hockey to, like, say something wrong or mm-hmm. misspeak or take something out of context. Because it's exactly what happened here is that, like, by no means was anyone taking what she actually said into account. But here we are. Um, so, yeah. Do you have anything else on that front? I don't know. I think, like, it's just... Hockey, like, fights in hockey are going to phase themselves out eventually. They will. Like, there's really not that much fighting in junior hockey anymore. Like, there's suspensions and stuff like, to kind of keep people away from it. There will be points where, you know, people are going to get mad and they're going to fight. Like, whatever. But let's do it safely. Let's do it with two people who want to do it. Same with hits. Like, don't hit somebody from behind into the boards head first on purpose. I mean, I don't think many people do that, but, like, be careful of your surroundings where, you know, it's a clean hit. Clean hits generally... Clean hits are clean for a reason. Yeah, they generally don't hurt people too often or, like, seriously injure people, I'm sure. Clean hits are clean hits for a reason. Generally, people don't get severely injured from a clean hit. Normally, it's just, you know, a little bruise or whatever. I mean, sometimes hits do go the wrong way. We know that. It looks like it'll be clean, and then last second, somebody turns and... We have an issue. Yeah. But, yeah, let's let's just, let's do physicality and toughness in hockey the right way. And let's evolve it so it's protecting people and not injuring them, I guess, is the right way to put it. Protect your goalie. I'm all for it. Yeah. That's a big one. But you don't need to literally wreck a guy. Correct. So, moving on. Austin Matthews. Oh, boy. He, I'm going to say it. Right now, he is one of the most dominant players in the league, if not the most dominant. I'm not saying he's the best player in the league. Don't get me wrong here. Like, that is Connor McDavid and whatever. But at this moment, he is the most dominant player, the way he's playing right now. He has scored 47 goals in his last 47 games. He missed some time, obviously, at the beginning with an injury, and then he was suspended for two games. He now has 54 goals in 64 games. 54 goals in 64 games. He has 47 goals in his last 47 games, which is absolutely insane. That's a stupid stat. 54 goals is a Leafs, fran- it ties a Leafs franchise record, which 
means if he gets one more goal this season, he will pass Rick Five for the most goals scored in one Leaf season. <laughs> All right, Matthews. And we have still quite a few games remaining this season. That's the scariest part, is we're nowhere near finished. Like, I think, they're, I think the Leafs have 13 more games to play. They play tonight against Florida, and then I think there's 12 more after that. Like, he very well possibly will hit 60. I think that's, like, in his sleep, he hit 60. Uh, to get six more goals in, like, 13 more games? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch. <laughs> he, he might do it by, like, next He week. might do it in the next, like, two games at this point. Like, he had a hat-trick against Tampa last night, which I don't I don't think many players score hat-tricks against Tampa. No. No, they don't. At least not recently. No. So, we're on Austin Matthews' watch right now. Will he surpass 60 goals? Leon Dreitzeidel has 50 um, in terms of the rocket race. I think at this point, it'd be safe to bet on Matthews to win it. But you never know. There could be some fun coming. Uh, Chris Kreider come out of nowhere? I think he's like 10-ish goals back. Yeah. Right as we're recording this, there is a press conference happening right now um, announcing Ryan Getzloff's retirement. Obviously, Ryan Getzloff has been a huge guy in the league for as long as I can remember. He was drafted just after I was born, like within a... That's wild. Like a year after I was born. So I don't know an NHL without Ryan Getzloff. No. You really either. No. And I mean, he's so... It's not only, like, how big he is to the league, to the Ducks as a franchise. Like, Ryan Getzloff is one of those guys that I'm like, he comes with the Ducks organization. Mm -hmm. Like, they built the organization and he just, like, appeared. He grew from, like, the office floors. Like, he is Anaheim through and through. Absolutely. In a way that I don't think I've really in my life, like, experienced a player, really in any sport, who is, like, the essence of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and where they don't go anywhere else. Like, at the exactly. End. Like, sometimes it'll be like that. Like, I think you could say Brady, like, was that yeah. for the Patriots? And then he, like... And then, yeah, and then they'll go, like, cup chasing or ring chasing or whatever and, like, power to you. Like, that's not the conversation we're having. Mm-hmm. But, like, Ryan Getzloff bleeds Anaheim Ducks. Um, I really would not be surprised to see him land... Oh, and a front behind office. the bench yeah. in their front office in player development and like, especially, maybe like. Well, also like he's not gonna leave. He's not gonna leave. Uh, he's not gonna California leave. to go back to wherever he's from in like Saskatchewan. Yeah, no, he's he's gonna be a Cali boy forever. <laughs> but I really maybe he'll take a year off hockey. Um, that would make sense after the career he's had. But I would not be surprised to see them announce him coming back and. In a front office role or in an advisor role or something like that. Yeah. Just because of how tied he is to that team. And he just, not that mm-hmm. I've ever met the man, but he seems like that kind of guy. Yeah. That would really, that, or and if he doesn't go back to the Ducks in a managerial position, I could honestly see him with Hockey Canada. Yeah. As they move forward and mm-hmm. as they, you know, bring in yeah, no, younger definitely. old guys. But... That's that. I, yeah, when he just announced some... that he was retiring, it was... I feel weird, because now everyone's acting like he's, like, dead. <laughs> like, in that press conference, I was like, he just retired, right? Like, did I miss something? But, anyways. So, just some stats. Ryan gets off career. Career stats. Uh, he was drafted in 2003 in the first round, 19th overall by the Anaheim Ducks. He has played 1,150 career games. He's still got the rest of the season to go. He has scored 
282 goals, and he has 731 assists, making for over 1,000 points. So he uh, he's had definitely a great career. He's won a gold medal at the Olympics, maybe two. Was he? I think he was 2010 and 2014. He had to be 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So multiple Olympic medals. He won gold with, uh, or he won the World Cup of Hockey with Canada at the World Cup of Hockey. <laughs> that um, thing. I so, wonder how seriously, this is like an off topic, but we were talking about it last week too. I wonder how seriously players take those medals. Yeah, I don't know. He went to the World Juniors. Like, he's had quite the career, and obviously we'll get to enjoy the last couple weeks of Ryan Getzlaff playing in the NHL. Last hockey topic we have to talk about is just some standings. So, Nashville, Vegas, Dallas, they're competing for the West wildcard positions. Nashville and Dallas both have a few games in hand on Vegas, and the points are pretty equal there. So, if Dallas and Nashville make the most of their games in hand, there's a very good chance we don't see Vegas in the playoffs this year. Which feels wrong. Yeah. Like, quite literally, there has never been a playoffs that the Vegas Golden Knights could be in that they weren't in. Which... Yeah, they've made it every school year since they've... If anyone would have predicted that when this team came into the league, that it would take them four or five years or whatever it is now to miss the playoffs, I think the NHL would have probably done some things differently with their expansion draft and how Mm -hmm. they administered that whole process. But my God, and they are my second team um, for reasons I don't feel like getting into because I'm... Don't I? It's boring for everyone else. <laughs> but they, it's just going to be very, very strange, especially because of the situation that they're going to be heading into in this offseason where they need to bleed money like nobody's ever had to bleed money before. Like these guys have got, I really hope there's a good accountant because boy, oh boy, are the salary caps gymnastics going to have to be intense. The cap going up a million dollars does this team absolutely no good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if they if they get in, I wouldn't bet against them just because of how they've already kind of defied everything that everyone thought they could be. But getting there is is proving like it'll be a little bit more of a struggle than I think anyone would have anticipated at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So. I guess Winnipeg still has an outside shot, but I think that's very unlikely at this point. Yeah. So it, boys. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just between Nashville, Vegas, and Dallas. I'm making my prediction definitely for Nashville and Dallas. Everyone else is pretty much set in terms of, like, who's making what spots at the top of the West. Other than, like, seating-wise, but, like, the teams in the Pacific and the teams in the Central, like... They're staying probably in the top three. They'll just flip around maybe a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see anyone dropping in or out. No, yeah. It's more so just where are you landing? Yeah, like home, literally home ice advantage. Yeah. So the Atlantic is interesting. The Atlantic is so fun. I don't remember the last time the Atlantic was the exciting division in hockey. It was always like one of the more boring ones. Yeah. So at this point, I think Florida has the top spot kind of locked. Yeah. But then you go down and you have Toronto Boston as the two and three right now, which holy shit is that fun. Toronto jumped, um, kinda secured that second spot 
for the time being by themselves yeah. um, with that win last night. But Boston also won last night, which bumped them, them ahead of Tampa. So Tampa's now in a wild card spot. Which is so weird to think of. This Given is, their run, it's like, what do you mean that team is looking like a wild card team right now? These these three teams are going to flip flop for the next two weeks nonstop. Three oh, weeks absolutely. nonstop because they're all within a point of each other, within games of each other. Like Toronto plays Florida tonight, so if Toronto can win that, it's obviously a boost for them. Not only does Florida not get any more ahead, but they also, you know, kind of stretch that gap between them and Boston. Yeah. Um, and I believe there are some games coming up between these teams still. Like, there are... Yeah, they're not done playing each other. No, so there will be... be really interesting. Yeah, there will be times where we will see, you know, what they call like a four-point game. Yeah, Toronto plays Boston actually last, at the very end of the season. It's their last oh. game. So that could be interesting uh, if it's like a playoff. Um... They play Florida tonight, and then one more time, and they play Tampa still again. So, like, these games are all going to be important. Boston, I thought they were going to be really, like, wild card, like, pushing for a wild card spot this year, and the fact that they're, you know, making a spot potentially in the Atlantic is interesting. Yeah, I, uh... They just never want to die. No, they, they will not go away. Someone made the point the other night of, I think Toronto, as convoluted as this might sound, Toronto's best shot at breaking their first round curse is against Boston. Is getting Boston. I purely I, for like the mental game. I think I will say this forever. I would much re- like the Leafs will beat Boston on route to winning a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. There's no other way the story works. Like they have to. I don't care if it's in like. The Eastern Conference final somehow. If it's in round one, I don't know, but they will play at some point, and it'll be on road to the Leafs winning a cup one day. I would love to see the a caveat Boston. to that question is: Is it in Michaela's lifetime? Uh, hopefully, <laughs> Boston's also just a weird team to me because I feel like they were so dominant for so long, and then it wasn't that they stopped being good; they just stopped being like very good I also and I feel like now they're very good again and it's like wait when did that happen I think they're Toronto's best shot winning oh absolutely when you look at Florida Tampa Boston yeah I mean they handled Tampa literally no problem last night like it was quite a dominant win for the Leafs Jack Campbell looked like his old self yeah Um, they kind of made Vasilevsky look stupid which doesn't happen very often no it very much does not happen Often at all, I would say. But that is kind of where we're at, standings-wise, in the NHL. We still got, like, three weeks left of hockey, four weeks left, um, before the playoffs. So, it's coming. The beginning of May, we're getting there. It's going to be fun, but we got to finish the regular season for now. Yeah, we got to get there first. We're now going to move on to some football. And then some football. Some football and then some football. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the NFL passed a rule. And when I tell you this rule, you're going to be like, Casey, that's the Rooney rule. And I'm going to tell you no. Because the <laughs> Rooney rule uh, has proven that it does not work. So, there's no... Oh, fun, yeah, because there's a lawsuit. So there's, there's no fun name for this rule yet. But it does exist. So, it was announced 
on March 29th that the NFL is now officially requiring teams to hire um, one woman or a minority coach as an offensive coach for the 2022 season. So where this differs from the Rooney rule is it explicitly includes women. It explicitly includes offense and the hiring part is non-negotiable. So with the Rooney rule, you just have to interview minority candidates. But with this one, you actually have to hire someone. You have to put your money where your mouth is and you have to hire someone that is not fallen off the carousel of white men to slot into an offensive assistant role. And it is explicitly outlined that it is a, um, like, it's a role that has to work closely with the head coach. So, you know, it won't just be some throwaway, like, third-tier wide receiver coach. It has to be someone that's going to be involved, implicated, blah, 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 all of that things. In terms of specifics, it says candidates must have three years of collegiate or pro experience in coaching football, and they will receive a one-year contract with salary and benefits. And again, one-year contract, because so far this has only been made a rule for the upcoming season, so 2022. That's so weird. I guess they're going to see how it works. very weird. And then... Something else that didn't really get out but is happening is the NFL will reimburse teams up to $200,000 in 2022 and up to $205,000 in 2023 from a league fund for coaches in order to do this. So, thoughts, opinions. I mean, I think it's an interesting way to get more women and minorities involved in football because I think once you're in – there's a good chance, you know, you get a, you prove yourself, you get a job somewhere else. Like it, it will add more names to that quote-unquote carousel. Yeah. I just, it's unfortunate that it needs to be a rule. Like, that's, I guess, my issue with it. It's like, the fact that it even needs to be a rule is so annoying because it's like, just hire the best person for the job and, yeah, like, give everybody a shot and you'll find the best candidates and really that's how you'll make your team the best. The fact that this has to be a rule, I think, just speaks to the problem at large. And what my hope is that the fact, like this only being a one-year rule, I'm hoping they're doing this because the NFL is thinking that doing it for one year will teach teams their lesson in terms of hire the best goddamn person for the goddamn job. Like it's really not rocket science if you think about it. It's not. Hire a qualified candidate. Done. Cool. Easy. Move on. Um, I don't know. The The reimbursement rule also feels wrong. Really weird. Yeah. Like, you're making it a rule, but then you're also just going to give them money to pay the person. Yeah, I don't love so that. So, I don't, I don't really like that at all. But, again, as much as I don't love that it's a rule, as much as I don't love the reimbursement piece... I love that we're going to see more women on the sidelines. I love that we're going to see more minority groups represented on the sidelines mm-hmm. because as of 2021 or like as of in the 2021 season and then with changes made now, there are seven black GMs and 12 women who had held coaching positions during the 2021 football season. The seven black GMs is horrifying. Yeah. When you consider that this league, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would wager it's comfortably over 60% black mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. 
black players and players of color. So that's a red flag. And there was a hot minute where Mike Tomlin was the only black head coach remaining in the league after the firings all got done this year. Yeah. Which is inexcusable. Thankfully, some of them have been rehired back. Some of them have been rehired. Some guys have been brought on to different places. But there was a time being Mm -hmm. in 2022 when Mike Tomlin was the only active black head coach. Yeah. And the fact that you have so little that a couple firings couldn't mean there's one left. Like, the NFL almost made black coaches extinct. Which is disgusting and horrifying, and I hate it. Head coaches, yeah. That's awful. Especially when you consider this is a league that forever has been so excited to give the same group of white men second, third, fourth, fifth, 47th chances. When they have proven that they're not actually that good at coaching! And then Brian Flores gets told to tank, and loses a few games, and then wins a few more games than he should, and he gets fired. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out. I'm more hopeful than I have been in a while for the future of the NFL. They haven't exactly made being hopeful easy, but that that's the big football update. Oh, um, did you want to talk about uh, um, TBD in Tampa? Oh, speaking of blackhead coaches, Bruce Arians has moved to the front office, probably for the sake of his health. Um, I think that was part choice and part push. strong recommendation. And his replacement has been named as Todd Bowles. So Todd Bowles has infamously been the defensive coordinator down in Tampa for the last couple of seasons and has done an immaculate job Mm -hmm. with that defense. They are one scary football unit to have to play against. Oh, I love this. I think this is going to be great. This is such a good move for this team, especially with Brady coming back. You don't really need an offensive-minded coach. You have one on the field. Mm -hmm. So having a head coach that's really focused on the defense while you have, like I said, basically a head coach playing quarterback, I think creates a really, really scary combination that I really, 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 really really envy. Yeah. But I really like what Tampa did with this. They voided the rest of Bulls' defensive coordinator contract. And right away gave him a fresh head coach worthy five year deal, maybe uh, with like obviously a pay increase and all that and giving him what he deserves. And I just really hope that there's patience with this man. I don't think we're going to need as much patience for him as we would for maybe some other coaches heading into head coaching spots, just with the level of talent that is still on this roster. But it's a big jump from being a coordinator to a coach. And I know Bulls has sat in the head coaching seat before, but it's been a while. And you're starting a new routine. You're starting something different. So I'm really hoping there's, you know, patience and compassion. And he's given some wiggle room. And it's not going to be the same narrative that we've seen year after year within the league. So that's that's American football for you. Mm-hmm. Now, football. 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 So we know who Canada's going to play in the World Cup. Which is still a very, very weird sentence to say out loud in 2022. We all knew we'd be saying this in 2026 because they would automatically be qualified as a host country. But they're going to Qatar. And in Qatar, they will play Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Which, you know, is that's certainly a group. 
<laughs> the scariest part about this group is the last World Cup. Croatia finished second, Belgium finished third, and Canada sat on their couch. So there's that, which, you know, we're going to work with, we're going to roll with. Morocco is also like a wild card. Admittedly, I don't follow that team as much as I follow some other teams and some other kind of continental groupings. A, lack of accessibility. B, lack of time. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know a ton about Morocco. What I do know is that Belgium and Croatia are two very old teams, and Canada isn't. Like, flat off the bat, Canada, yes, there's some veteran guys in Atiba Hutchinson and Boyan and Net, but Canada's a young squad. Yeah. Like, there's a reason there was only one guy on that team that was alive the last time this team made the World Cup. <laughs> That's just crazy. Just let that sink in. Only one of them was alive. To be fair, it was a very long time ago. Two-thirds of that team probably weren't even, like, thought concepts the last time this team made a World Cup. Yeah. Which is, could be the scariest part. So, I think the youth automatically kind of helps Canada. The other piece is, at least, we'll, we'll start with Belgium. They're a scary team on paper. I like. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you they're gonna be a walk in the park because they won't. They're they're a scary team. But we have been calling this group out of Belgium the golden generation for Belgian football. For at this point, we're going on six years. When they showed up at the 2016 Euros, this was the golden generation. This was the generation that was finally gonna do it. The group of player, players that was finally gonna start bringing back hardware and titles and trophies. Uh, spoiler alert, they haven't. They haven't won anything yet as the Golden Generation. And the Golden Generation is on their way to the pawn shop very soon. They're a little on the old. They're, yeah. They're more like the Golden Girls. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, let us know if you want us to, like, typecast the Belgian team into the cast of Golden Girls. We will absolutely make a typecast. I've never seen Golden Girls, yet. but if you want to do it. Absolutely. I love Golden Girls. Um, anyways. So, yes, it's a scary group of players with Lukaku and De Bruyne and just the core that they have had. Um, you've got guys like uh, Virgil van Dijk, who's coming in, who didn't play in the Euros. Roberto Martinez is still heading the squad. So, yes, scary team on paper. The game isn't played on paper, and that's there's a reason for that. <laughs> so, as much as going into it, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is one of the giants of Europe coming up against a team that you know, is very much not a giant anywhere up until this point. But I think the age gap and I think that Canada's unpredictability for other countries is going to bode really, really well for them, especially in this matchup. And we've already heard top managers from around the world say that Canada has the potential to be a dark horse, a secret threat. And that's true. A lot of these countries have never played this team. Yeah, you can watch all the film you want. But Canadian soccer hits and it hits hard. And that's not the way in Europe for the most part. So that with youth, with the fact that this team has kind of come out of nowhere and for the love of God, half the time we're subbing on the leading scorer in all of Europe as a 75th minute sub for Canada. Like Europe's best goal scorer during the league season at times does not make Canada's starting lineup. That line would have been unthinkable at the last World Cup. But it's a reality now. They're going to have Alfonso Davies. They're going to have this whole complement of players. So I wouldn't be too scared of Belgium. 
take everything I said and about knock it about in half for Croatia. Again, yes, I know they finished second. I would constitute their last run as a little bit of like a Cinderella run. You can disagree or agree with me. I don't particularly care. This is my <laughs> show. But she's like, this is actually my show, so, so I can actually say whatever I want. I can say what I want. It's really fun. And again, Croatia is four years older. They really only have one star player left in Luka Modric, who, yes, is one of the best midfielders in the world. But again, soccer is a team sport for a reason. So, you know, same same ethos as with Belgium. Old team. Canada's not. So there's that. And then, like I said, Morocco, I can't tell you too much. But I'll take Canada to win. I think that'll be a fun game. Yeah. With with that, that's that's the end of footy. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, I don't have much thoughts because I particularly don't watch soccer too often. Casey's teaching me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I was very excited watching the draw. I feel like I I was learning as we were going. I was not expecting the production that it was, though, let me tell you. I really thought it was going to be like the the, uh, NHL... Like draft lottery, you know, where they just like pick. It takes like ten minutes and it's over, half an hour max. No, this there was a whole there was a whole singing number. There's a mascot. We had the mascot. We had Adris Elba up there. Like, it was it was quite the show. Um, they picked the balls out and opened them. The old men were a little str- struggling a little bit to open oh the balls, God. but uh, overall I enjoyed it, and I'm definitely learning about soccer and about. What's to come with with this World Cup? And I will definitely be watching as much of the World Cup as possible and learning about this team. Stay tuned for Michaela's soccer education. Yes. I mean, I don't really have any opinions on Croatia or Belgium because I have never seen them play. Like, when would I have ever seen them play, really? Um, But I'm going to trust Casey. Woo! So I think that's pretty much all... We wanted to talk about today. I think so as well. Um, if there's anything interesting that you think we missed and you want us to talk about next week, send us a message on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast because, like, if you're not doing that, you're not going to know we post. Even though we try to post every Thursday, we're students. Things get in the way. It's it's been a week at school, so they're they're with us. We're doing our best. We promise. We are trying. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be the two of us for a bit, just figuring out kind of how we're going to do the show as a duo. All right. Bye. Bye.